Saturday morning. Welcome into the locker room. News Radio 610 KONA, presented by Jason Hogue, agent with American Family Insurance. Billy Rob, Jason hanging with you, and uh, we're going to kick things right off. It looks like uh, playoff positions are pretty much set in the Mid-Columbia Conference, 3A and 4A, especially after last night's action, Jason. A couple of tight games. Um, Chiawana gets past Kamaikin by three. Ten to seven, the final in that one. A low, I mean, low. We talk about a low-scoring high school football game. It's usually twenty something to twenty something. This is ten to seven. is is unusually low. And we had another one along those lines. Uh, one that you heard right here on News Radio six ten K O N A. That with eight seconds to go, Kennewick beats Richland nineteen to fourteen. Uh, Richland had taken the lead with a minute and a half to go. Kennewick goes down the field. Scores on what would be the next to last play of the game for them and uh, comes away with a big win against Richland, 19-14, the final there. Congratulations to Southridge. They get their first win of the season over uh, the winless Moses Lake squad, 21-17 to there. So you were kind of figuring a winner was going to come out of that one. And then uh, Hermiston falls to Hanford 50-28, to a rough, rough season for the Hermiston Bulldogs. 1-6 uh, in, in league, 1-7 overall. Definitely not what they thought uh, was going to be the results of this season. And then Walla Walla over Pasco, 35-21. to uh, So the way things are going to lay out for the postseason, uh, the 1-2 and two seeds in 3A and 4A are pretty much locked in. Well, not pretty much. They are locked in. Uh, Chiawana will have the 1 seed in 4A. Hanford will have the 2 seed in 4A. Uh, they have, by virtue of that victory over Pasco they had earlier, locks them into that second seed. And then Kennewick uh, has the one seed, Kamaik, and the two seed by virtue of Kennewick's victory over Kamaik earlier. Yeah, that um, watched the Chihuahua-Kamaikin game last night. Definitely was a defensive struggle. Both those teams um, have quite a few athletes and players on the defensive side. And uh, usually when these really talented teams get together um, – they rely on one or two guys on the offensive side to kind of carry, you know, carry, you know, carry their their water. And when you have a good defensive team who can single out, you know, one of your top receivers and your top running back, it's really tough to get scoring. And it was a, you know, it was a good, it was a good game, hard fought game. Um, Chiwana came out with it, uh, got a field goal in the second half um, after a couple touchdowns um, by both teams. Good good win for the Riverhawks to kind of set them up with the one seed to make a push here for the state playoffs. Now there is one more week of action in the Mid-Columbia Conference coming up this Friday night. Kamaikin will host Hermiston. Uh, there will be a doubleheader at Lampson Stadium this Friday. That game will start at 5 o'clock, and then Kennewick will host Southridge at 8 o'clock. Uh, Walla Walla will host Wenatchee at Borleski Stadium. We will have the Chihuahua Pasco rivalry game for you here on News Radio 610 KONA from Edgar Brown and Richland will host Hanford at Fran Risch. Uh, the setup for the first week of playoffs is already there as well. Uh, Friday, November 8th, Hanford will travel to Joe Albee Stadium. Uh, Kennewick will also travel to Spokane. Chihuahua will play host, as will or at Edgar Brown, and Kennewick will play host at Lampson. So opponents to be determined uh, in those contests. But, of course, we'll bring all of that to you. So congratulations to Chiawana, Kennewick, Kamaikin, and Hanford for making the postseason out of the Mid-Columbia Conference this year. 
Switching over to college football, we've got some action for you coming up a little bit later on. Big one for the Cougars, nationally televised game on ESPN, as they will go to Eugene, Austin Stadium, to take on the number 11 Oregon Ducks. And uh, it was a nice win for the Cougars last week against Colorado. Um, I hope they enjoyed it because this game tonight is going to be anything but. Um, unless the Cougars find something dramatic on defense, um, it's going to be a long night for Washington State. Yeah, I, I mean, I told I, on here last week, I, we were talking about this, and I said that the Cougars need to get their mojo back, and Colorado was a team to get that mojo back. Colorado's um, not a great team, but a decent team. They beat, you know, beat Cal earlier in the year. And the Cougs got back to, to doing it. Their defense was good. They won 40, 41-10 last week. The offense looked great. Um, you, you know, Quarterback looked great. Um, running game was working. I I mean, it's in Autzen, so I would, I'm not going to pick the Cougs, but I think this is going to be a fun, good game. It's the late game. Crazy stuff always happens in that late game, the 730 game local, but um, it's going to be the last game of the night. I'm actually really excited for this game because – um, the one thing that Oregon does have, that, and you mentioned this last week, Rob, that, that they haven't had is a defense. Mario Cristobal has got them playing defense. Um, you know, they, when beating the Huskies last week, they really, I won't say shut down the team, but they pretty much shut them down. Um, and the offense did just enough. Um, Justin Herbert um, is a very good quarterback. They don't overexpose him, meaning he's not throwing 50 times a game. Um so I think this is going to be a fun game, and I think the Cougs are going to put. They've been very good against Oregon the last few years, beating them regularly. Like the last four years, they've got they've been beating them. So I think this is going to be a much closer game than you're letting on, and I think the Cougs have a heck of a shot. Um, and if they can flip this, now you're look you you've kind of turned your season around, and 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 you're with the Cougs faithful now looking forward to the closing out the rest of the season, leading up to the Apple Cup to finish much higher and get a little better bowl game. Well, we'll see how it lays out today for the Cougs. Um, you know, this this is I mean we're really, I mean as we discussed it last week and, and you're dead on they they've got a they've got one path to follow. And this path has to work out exactly the way we discussed in order for them to have a shot at a bowl game. Um, other action for the Pac-12 this week, uh, you've got USC, who beat Colorado yesterday, 35-31. Arizona is at Stanford. Uh, number 24, Arizona State at UCLA. Number 12, Utah will host Cal. The Huskies are off this weekend, uh, as is Oregon State. So a lo- little bit of a lighter schedule for the Pac-12 this weekend. Going to take a quick time out. Uh, actually, before we do that, we'll give you the standings rundown for the Pac-12 right now. Uh, Oregon State 4-0 in conference. Oregon State 2-2 two and two in conference. Overall, uh, three and four on the season, but uh, Stanford two and three. The Huskies are two and three in conference. Um, and I tell you what, right now the conference really is Oregon's. It's already Oregon's. They're they're not going to lose three games, and even Correct. if they did, uh, they would hold the tiebreaker over. Yeah, UW. I mean the, the only so, thing that they that, that's possible, which I don't see happening, is, because if you look at the schedule, you've got um, Oregon's got the Cougs, which is something a game they could lose. And then, of course, they've got the the game against Oregon State, the inter, interstate rivalry. 
But I don't know that Oregon State's good enough to pull that off. No. So right now you're looking at, and Oregon is the only, probably the only school, if they were to continue to win out, that has an outside shot at the playoffs. I don't know that an 11-1 Pac-12 team could do that. Well, we'll Um, look at at the conference. Look at the conference. I mean, who are they going to face in the Pac-12 championship game? It's going to be USC or Utah. Right, it's going to be USC or Utah, neither of which are, I mean, the the Trojans are 5-3 on the season overall. I think if if Utah's 6-1 overall. Both of those, if it's Utah. They'll both be top 10 teams by then. Yes. So you're looking at two top 10 teams. You would would think. If if they win out. If if, if they both win out, um, you're looking at another top 10 win. And both the SEC and the Big Ten have some big games. They have – there's teams that can lose. There are are teams that can lose. If you look at who's where right now, okay, when you're talking about the SEC, you're talking of of those teams in the bottom half. It's an Alabama-LSU right now that that is going to come out of the SEC, it looks like. It's 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 right now one of those two. Yes, you've got Florida, Auburn, Georgia that are sitting there that have the possibility to fall out of the top ten. Okay, Penn State and Ohio State have yet to play. Penn State's got a big game against Michigan State. So as a Penn State loses to Michigan State, they're out of the top ten. Uh, if they lose to Ohio State, they may not be out of the top ten. Because both teams, again, right now, Penn State sitting at number but, six. But the, Oklahoma. But whoever loses that Ohio State Penn State game doesn't get the Big Ten championship game to elevate their level. You're right. right. You're so, right. So, um, and I think, and if you look at the Big Twelve, you're really only looking at Oklahoma, which is losing right now to Kansas State. Yeah, and if they lose um, to Kansas State, they're out of the top done. ten. They're done. They're out of the so, top ten, and and so they're likely not going to creep back up. Now, do I think Oregon? Um, if if Oklahoma wins out and only has one loss, do I think because they're Oklahoma, they get the benefit of the doubt above Oregon? Possibly. But if you got Justin Herbert, but he's playing really good down the... They've got an outside shot. Here's who we haven't mentioned yet. Notre Dame. Man, does people really want to put them up there again? I don't, but Notre Dame, because of the draw, right now they're number eight. If any of those teams, if Oklahoma loses, Notre Dame goes up. Florida loses, Notre Dame goes up. Penn State loses, Notre Dame goes up. Remember, Clemson is still there, and even though Clemson is not having the season necessarily, but they've already got a loss. Clemson, Clemson is okay. Clemson is undefeated, but Clemson and, and Taylor Lawrence is not playing anywhere near as well as he played last year. Clemson, fair enough, fair is, Clemson is 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 ripe to be picked. But they still, the ACC will still get a team in the playoff. Even if Clemson loses now, they'll still win the ACC. Yeah, I, 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 I honestly believe. I don't see Clemson falling down. I see Notre Dame being the wild card. See, I, I can see an argument. I can make the argument that if Clemson loses a game, even if they win the ACC title, Oregon's had a tougher schedule. They've played better because the Pac 12. As much as nationally, it's not getting a ton of it's respect. Mediocre at best. And see, that's where I I actually disagree. I think it's getting better. I don't think there's a quote unquote bad team really in the conference. You've got a couple teams that aren't playing very good week to week. I but do. there's talent in the Pac-12. Their coaches they they kind of revamped some coaches the last few years. Um, because Pac-12 gets this knock when the Huskies and and or USC and UCLA are not top 10 teams, everybody thinks the Pac-12 is bad. Because when Utah's doing well, it must be because USC's bad. It can't be just because Utah's good. Right? It can't, like, when other te- when Washington State's good, it's because the Huskies are bad, or because Oregon's bad. 
there is a world in which this, if you look at the Pac-12, you have a lot of decent teams that are on the upswing. Arizona State's a decent team. Arizona has talent and a decent coach. UCLA's got Chip Kelly. They're finding their stride a little bit. Stanford has been good in the past, not so good this year. But you don't have, even though the records aren't amazing, you've got you've got some decent teams. And Oregon has beat the good teams by the end of the year. And if they go through and then knock off Utah again, they can make the argument above Cle- a one-loss Clemson team uh, that they could be in. A one-loss Oklahoma team that really hasn't played anybody either. And I understand that. But the Pac-10 is so looked down upon nationally. It would have to be Oregon and Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, and Oregon would have to win that game in order to have yes. a sniff for the Pac-12. And they have if one Utah of the top wins that quarterbacks. Game, Utah's not getting and, and into and, the, the playoff. And Justin Herbert is finding he's you know finding his groove. He's getting better every week. He's making better throws. If he is that Heisman, if he gets back into that Heisman, you know. You know, conversation. Oregon is now a draw, and I think nationally they can start getting you know this respect that they deserve if they continue this out. But again, it's got to be Oregon. If Utah wins the Pac-12 championship game, Pac-12 does not get into the playoff. Agree, one hundred percent. I mean, really, it, it has become a combination of name recognition and record in order to be able to get in. Because what do they want? It's a, right, because it's, a, it's a popularity contest. That's right. They want the money in the ratings. They want the money in the ratings. So if you're Utah, you're not getting in, but Oregon just might. Back in the locker room, News Radio 610 KONA. Good Saturday morning, Philly Rob Jason with you. Presented by Jason Hogan with American Family Insurance. Talking college football, you know, if you, if, if, and, and I'll be honest with you, I've never been a fan of the coaches' poll. I've never given the coaches' poll nearly as much credence as I have the AP poll, simply because coaches will vote. Uh, coaches will vote strategically. They will vote to keep other teams down that are not in their conference. They'll vote to boost other teams in their conference. So I've always thought the coaches' poll uh, was 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 more rigged than the 1960 election. Um, however. When I look at the AP poll, to me, that gives me a, a, a bit more um, of a clear view as to who is who in college football. And I'll give you a prime example. In the coaches' poll, Clemson's number two and LSU is number three. Why? Because all the ACC coaches didn't want two SEC schools at one and two. So they voted for Clemson. Um, whereas in the AP poll, Clemson is number four. And it's a reflection of how they played. Now, they're not behind a one-loss team, but they're behind three undefeated teams. Well, I, th- I think the approach that most coaches take is versus writers, right? Coaches take it a, a, a pre which when we watch these teams, which one's better? Which one would I not want to face? And writers take the position of who's earned right. this ranking. Exactly. Not so much who's the best team, not who's the most talented, not who do I think is going to win at the end. But who has earned this ranking? And yep. if you look at Clemson because of the way they've played recently and the week schedule they've had, yeah, they have. Don't have they earned it? They and they went down. They went down. They are the only team 
and you can check this for me, but I believe they're the only AP team in history to drop twice as an undefeated team. They dropped out of number one, and then this week they dropped from three to four. Right, because I don't think another undefeated team has ever well, dropped. Well, they started twice number in the one, right? Yeah. They started number one. And then as Alabama has looked a little better, and let's be honest, Alabama hasn't looked like the best team either, but everybody's no, putting them number but here's, one. But here's, here's um, why Alabama's still number but, one Alabama's one without Tua. And that's why they're still number one, because they won without Tua. Well, they're number Tua. one because they've been basically the best team in college, one or two in college football for about a decade. I understand that. But, <laughs> but they're also winning um, without their starter So they're starter getting the benefit of the doubt, um, but they haven't looked as bad as Clemson. Like Clemson looks a lot like... Well, and they do play in the SEC, which is a much better conference right. than any and other And they haven't run in into the meat of the SEC yet. Their schedule is very backloaded in the SEC. Um with the tougher teams toward the toward the end of the season, Iron Bowl's on the way. Yes, um, and so you and the other teams in the SEC West haven't been quite as good. Um, um, and and they're on on the East side. They're not playing you know the the great teams because they play Tennessee every year for one of their East games. Which let's be honest, t- Tennessee is uh, I I has been a dumpster fire look, for a few years I here. Thir- but, um, I thoroughly enjoy that game every year. Because, well, yeah, because you get to see the shots of Phil Fulmer looking, um, getting know, every, getting, getting everything sideline. he deserves as one of yeah. the most corrupt individuals in the history but, of college athletics. But yes, the coaches vote with where you think they're going to be in the end and who's the most talented. There's no doubt that Clemson is extremely talented, and frankly, they look bored. They're not playing with a ton of energy because they know they're playing these you know not so good teams from the ACC. They can beat them at seventy, eighty percent effort. Let's hope it doesn't bite them. Um, but the coaches are basically saying, hey, Clemson's going to be there at the end. We're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Where the writers want to see it every week. They want to see know, you earn it. I'll be honest and with you. LSU is the team that has earned it every week. And if you wanted to, vo- if you were voting on who's earned it the best, LSU okay. is that team So this season. Here's what, here's what you've got for Alabama for the rest of the way. Okay, You've got Arkansas today. You've got LSU next week. Yes. All right. You've got LSU next week. But then you got Mississippi State, and you've got because the SEC is unlike every other conference, they don't front load with cream puffs. Well, some do. It's just Alabama's schedule Al- doesn't because Al- they got LSU right. and Auburn toward the end. Of, they right. do have A and M early, but A and M hasn't been great. Well, they beat A and M was twenty fourth when they beat them. Uh, they've got Western Carolina coming up in between Mississippi State and then the Iron Bowl against Auburn. And then you've got the SEC championship game, which right now looks like it's going to be Florida. Florida correct. Florida, so, it's going to be Florida or Georgia, but right now it's Florida's in the league. So you're going to have three top ten teams on your schedule. Who else is? Correct. And I don't disagree that Alabama's not going to have earned it by the end of the season. I'm saying today, right now, they they haven't earned it the way LSU has earned it. And and the thing is about the – I don't pay attention to polls too much right now um, because it's not going to matter until the end of the season because you will play all these teams. Your right. schedules will even themselves out by the end. And LSU-Alabama next week is going to be a huge game. Arkansas is not good, so Alabama is not going to have much of an issue um, this week. And then if you're – if you, if, so if you're – um, Alabama or LSU, and you lose next week, you want to hope and pray that it's Florida that, that wins out and gets to that SEC, SEC title game. Because if Georgia, who's got a couple losses, or yeah. has, and 
or Missouri, who still has an outside chance to get to that game. If either one of those two get there, no, it's got to be Florida. It's got to be Florida number one seed. because you need Florida to lose another game to get out of there as a one loss team, right? Um, so maybe you have an and you need the Alabama or the LSU, the winner, to win that game um, because. You definitely want you don't want to split the SEC vote between three one loss teams. Right, Florida is the Florida is the highest ranked one loss team sitting there. Auburn, looking forward to Auburn being a two loss team uh, after the Iron Bowl, so uh, they'll be out of the conversation for the SEC championship game. But uh, I do believe that um, the world's largest cocktail party. It's not happening this year. Florida and Georgia are not playing each other. Yeah, they are. I'm looking for it, man. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's this week. Yeah. It's, it's this week. So one of those two are going to be out of the mix. Yes. So Well, Florida won't be out of the mix if they lose. If they Georgia lose to will. Georgia, if they lose to Georgia, they're going to have another opportunity. The only well, other opportunity they're going to have to swing back, they're playing Auburn. Well, no. But look, so but, if you, but it's so out, if you look but it's at, out but, of the division. But if you look at Florida's, um, they're 4-1, and one, Georgia's 3-1. and one, Missouri's two and one. Right, if, I understand that they got Missouri next week. Right, so I, I well, so I, I but here's the thing: so Missouri still is going to be so Missouri still has to play Georgia and Florida. Right, so Florida has um, the winner of this game between Florida and Georgia has the inside track. Yes, but because, absolutely. But if but but if let's say Florida wins, they still have Auburn, so they could have a second loss. Right, but that's out of and divi- then Florida, that's an out of division it, loss. It doesn't matter. Because it, it, it doesn't it, matter. It will factor a little bit, and only because, it, because of the head to head. Auburn will still be top ten. It though. would only factor in if if Missouri, Georgia, and Florida all have two losses. If right? Florida loses today and Florida loses to Auburn, right? They're above, done. That's they're, three. They're done. That's three. But if Florida wins today and loses to Auburn, it still would be a quality win in the a, in the SEC right. championship and game. Right, because Georgia has to play Missouri again. Right, exactly. You're looking at a. I mean, I don't think Georgia's going to lose to Missouri. I don't think Athens. Florida's going to lose to Missouri. But it, well, the Missouri one and the Florida game is a little closer because it's in Columbia. It's in Missouri. I, I understand so, that. So um, if in Missouri's kind of a up and down team. But that's a game they could lose. So, you, but you want Georgia or Florida in that uh, one loss Georgia or Florida team in that SEC title game, so that way they can get knocked out and be good. So that way LSU or Alabama, whichever the loser is next week, that strength of schedule continues to get better. And it looks like the and you want the SEC East to look as good as possible. But right now, it looks like it could not. By the way, upset brewing. Kansas State now up 34-23 on number 5 Oklahoma with seven minutes to go in the third quarter. And they've got the ball at Oklahoma's 15-yard line. Number 5 could fall. A big sack by Oklahoma, though, on first down. So we'll keep an eye on this one for you. But upset brewing in Kansas. Kansas State. Up on number five, Oklahoma, 34-23. We come back, touch on the World Series, and talk about why last week's loss for the Seahawks was a good thing. To switch gears, talk a little Major League Baseball, World Series. Game four will be tonight in the nation's capital. The home team is yet to win a game in this series. The Nationals took the first two in Houston. Houston bounces back last night to win 4-1 to in D.C. Um, 
Not exactly the series I thought we were going to see. Um, definitely expected Houston to hold court, at least at home, especially with their top two pitchers, Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander going. Um, by the way, with the Nationals winning the pennant, I don't know how many people are aware of this, uh, with the Montreal Expos slash Washington Nationals winning the pennant, that leaves the Seattle Mariners as the only team in Major League Baseball that has not won a pennant. I feel like you've mentioned that three weeks in a row. Did I? Maybe. It almost hasn't been three weeks. Maybe. It hasn't been three weeks. It feels like three weeks. Well, maybe to Mariners fans it feels like It's, it's definitely two weeks. Maybe. <laughs> the Mariners are the only team in Major League Baseball to have not won a pennant. One is the loneliest number, uh, especially in this case. And it doesn't look like that that's going to change in the near future. Um, would it make it any worse if the Nationals win the World Series? I don't think so. But the uh, the Mariners now sit as the the franchise in its own unique brand of futility. Well, I, 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 the one thing, that, so the story of this World Series has been two things. Starting pitching is back. In Major League Baseball, at least with, at least with a couple know, of franchises, um, it is. You know, this this game, both all these games have kind of come down to the starting pitching. Who's which starters thrown a little better, went the deepest. Um, the bullpens have done their thing, um, and a twenty-year-old second-year player for the Nationals named Juan Soto. Yeah, um, Soto is a player. That has that's been the story of this. The sidebar, the one that I actually love and find interesting is the team that let the 10-year contract player go is better after that player leaves. Well, first of all, and, and, and I had a feeling you were going to go down that road, so I'll tell you right now, the Washington Nationals... And, and I know this is not a shot the, at I was going to say, the team that signed the guy. They're, they're not a better... Right? They're not a, put it this way. Are they in the World Series? Yes. Are they a more talented team without Bryce Harper? No, not necessarily. But were they able to address some things with that money? Yes, they were. Did they hang on to? But what I'm saying is talent-wise, they're not a better team than they were last year. But they were able to address some things to improve in some areas that help those areas specifically. And that's about talent depth. That's it, and, it's, that's and, exactly what it is. It's a de- it's 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 a better situation depth wise there in this year than they were last. Correct. Year. And um, not blowing your salaries on a thirty million dollar player for an extended period of time. Most of these teams that have signed these long-term deals, it has not worked. It has not worked. And um, to to put all those resources onto one player for that amount of time, because what it does, if you want to do it for a few years here and a few years there, that's okay. fine. If you want to sign a guy a three-year, $75 million, three-year, $80 million deal, five-year, you know, $90, $100 million deal, but these big, long ones, because you know you've got to pay for that, Year after year. And the way the contracts are structured, it makes it very difficult to have flexibility. But keep in mind, the reason why they couldn't do it with Bryce Harper, because they had already done big deals for other players, like Ryan Zimmerman, like Max Scherzer, like renewing Strasburg. The reason why they couldn't do Harper is they had done it with other players. So they didn't have the financial flexibility under under the luxury tax that a team like Philadelphia did. 
So Philadelphia was able to turn around and take that on. Zimmerman was a big contract before Harper. Remember, Jason Wirth's contract just came off two years ago I, as well. I agree. I'm not saying don't spend big money for, no, big, for but, players. But, but the Nationals didn't have the room under the, under the luxury tax to do what Philadelphia did. And it wasn't even the $30 million a year because he's not getting $30 million 25. a year in Philadelphia. He's getting 25 in Philadelphia. But he got more years in Philadelphia than what Washington was willing to give him. So when he took the balance, instead of taking 30 at 10, he took 25 at 13. I don't disagree. And to your point, just to what I'm saying, the Nationals payroll this year is about a 200, about $205 million, where the Phillies is about $145 million. Right. So it's, So the Nationals are still spending more money. Yeah. But but they but, didn't have that room under the cap, right? But where they Harper. had, right? But with in because they've spent it on a lot of players, they spread it out this year, right? So if you're yeah. a team that's got a hundred and fifty million dollar budget, is it better to put, you know, what better to put that money? And um, and also the Phillies, let's be honest, have some young players that haven't made money yet. Where the, right. the Nationals only have like one of those. Absolutely, that's Juan Soto. <laughs> Juan Soto. <laughs> the rest of the people, Zimmerman, they're, they're, um, Corbin, making, they've all made yeah, their money. They're making money. Um, so the Nationals are still a highly compensated team, and they do yes. spend money. So this isn't a don't spend money argument no, that I'm making. No, it's not a don't spend. It's, yeah, it's not a don't spend money. It's it's where they were at the luxury tax cap, and what and the fact that Harper would have put them over that is one of the reasons why. Well, and you also they did you pay for production, not yes. talent, and this is where the Washington Nationals have been different than other teams. Bryce Harper is a twenty five thirty million dollar a year talent. He hasn't put up twenty five or thirty million dollar a year production. If you want a guy to Nobody hit two, f- does. Yes, Max Scherzer has. Okay, Max Scherzer as a pitcher has. Find me a Strasburg hitter. Has. Find me a hitter that has put up twenty five million dollars a year production. Find me other than Mike Trout, and Mike Trout ain't making twenty five million. He's making a, a lot more than that. No, not no, not until next year. Fair enough. But yeah, he's he signed the biggest contract. That's it. Mike Trout is the only player in Major League Baseball and and you can even make an yes. argument is And you're making my point, like because what what happens is 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 Stan's not all these hitters are being paid on potential. Yes. But pitchers are paid on production. Yes. If you pay for production, you will do well. If you pay for potential, you won't. How many hitters out there this year? Can hit two fifty with thirty five to forty home runs and play a decent right field or left field. There's a lot of those guys that you can find to do that. You can develop guys to do that. You can make trades to do that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pay twenty five million dollars for the ten years to get that. You pay twenty five million for ten years to make money. You pay twenty. I don't. I understand the economic. You know, aspect. But do you want to win baseball games, or you just want to sell jerseys? Look, what you do is you find it for, and we'll go back to before the Phillies won the World Series in two thousand and eight. Okay, they paid that money to Jim Tomey. They brought Jim Tomey because they had a bunch of young guys. To yeah, provide and they a wasted leadership. three, two years of Ryan Howard because he couldn't come up to the big leagues. Wow. I wouldn't go that far because of Jim Tomey. I remember. I remember. I went to college with Ryan too. Howard. I, remember I followed too. his career. I remember too. I remember too. And then I remember he worked with Barry Bonds and killed his swing. Absolutely many years later, it. many, it years, many later, years later, it was a year after they won the World Series. After he'd been on the big league club for three or four years. So what I'm he, saying is, is Ryan Howard was ready to come up. He came up in 06. He was ready to Half, come up a couple through years 06. before that. But because of Jim Tomey blocking his way, he had to hang out in the minors for two two years more than he should have. 
And not saying Jim Tomey was bad, but Jim Tomey's a guy you could have shipped off or not had, and you could have let Ryan Howard come up younger, but, but, more athletic, just as good of a hitter at that time. But the reason why they kept Tomey was because they had a very young clubhouse, and they needed a veteran guy. And bringing up another young player was not going to teach those guys how to win. I, my po- The point what I'm getting at here is, is that when you look at Bryce Harper, since the year that he had his breakout year in 2015 when he had 42 bombs, uh, 42 home runs. His home run total has not been above 35 since. His RBI total has only creeped above 100 a couple, like two of those five years. His batting average, 260 and below. Locker Room News Radio, 610 K1A, final few minutes of Saturday morning. Brought to you by Jason Ho, Asian with American Family Insurance. Billy Robin Jason here. And I will say this about last week's Seahawks loss to the Ravens. It was a good loss. It was a, it was a, it was a needed loss. It was one of those losses that you take a minute, you step back, you breathe, you refocus, and you have the you have the pleasure of even though going on the road for an early game of playing the one win Atlanta Falcons. So, in truth. Last week's loss combined with this week's opponent is is sometimes what you need to readjust, realize where you are, reassess what you've got on offense and defense, and then move forward again with a push in the second half to take you to the playoffs. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I mean, that was a uh, not a good performance by the Seahawks last week. They needed it, to get their it, butt whipped. It may have, because this is a Seahawks team that's not overly talented. It's not a team that is going to just throttle you with all of its players. It's a team that wins on playing sound defense, not giving up the big play, yeah. slowly, and then letting Russell Wilson do his thing to get first downs, kicking a few field goals, scoring a couple touchdowns, beating you 21-14. That's kind of how the Seahawks team is built. And I think they got a little bit of away from that leading up to they they started, uh, you know, believing they were a little, you know, getting out over their skis a little bit. And uh, I don't disagree with you. I think this would it's kind of a perfect timing because the team that they lost to is a good team. Yeah. Right. So there's no there's no shame in going down to, you know, to Baltimore. To Baltimore. Yeah. Um, Lamar Jackson, I believe, viewed that game more seriously than Russell Wilson and the Seahawks did. Lamar Jackson used that game as a measuring stick. Like, hey, I can do what Russell's doing. I'm an MVP candidate, too. And he played that way. Lamar Jackson played an amazing football game and outplayed Russell last week. With that said, you now have a, a Atlanta team that's given up. They trade away Muhammad Sanu. Um, they're, they're looking to well, trade, they trade away other away, players. They traded away Sanu because there was no room for him anymore, not with, not with Jones and Ridley. There well, there, no there's there. room. It's just why have a good third receiver? Yeah, so on a team that's one and six and probably right. going to be four and twelve at best. They weren't going to. They weren't going to bring him. So back. let's get a second round pick. Yeah, um, something that we can do and get, and get a newer version of Sanu next year. They're kind of riding off the season. They're or just maybe building get, toward maybe next get year. Some line. <laughs> yeah, uh, line. So, I, although I, to be fair, they did draft two offensive linemen and they both got hurt. So to your point, this is a great game for the Seahawks to kind of. You know, get healthy on, get a little bit of their mojo back, yeah. and get back to what they do. Because this this Falcon defense can be run on and be scored a lot, scored on, and the offense is not doing well right now. I think it's fair to say we're both taking the Seahawks in that game. Yeah, 
Uh, Philadelphia goes on the road to Buffalo after getting their butts whipped against Dallas. Uh, the Eagles will try to refocus against a pretty decent Buffalo team in Buffalo. Um, but these tend to be the kind of games where the Eagles respond. And they win the game they're not expected to win. See Green Bay. So, you know, I I think the Eagles are going to bounce back in this game. I think they're going to beat Buffalo. I think Buffalo is a better team than they have been. But I still don't think they are necessarily where they need to be. So Yeah, I, I, I do think there's something going on in that Philly, or in that uh, Philadelphia locker room. The Lander Skander came, got released this week and just blasted the team. Um, he also got they haven't because he I got mean the released. quarterback. There's been you know all kinds of articles about how nobody really likes the quarterback. Um, he, they paid him and he didn't you know necessarily earn it in their mind because somebody else won the Super Bowl, not him. This Philadelphia team is they've got issues. They're way more talented than a team with with their record. And Buffalo is not an easy place to play. It's kind of cold. The fans are nuts. I'm going to go with Buffalo cold too. Just in case you're wondering. This time of year, the temperature that locker room that is frigid. Different. I bet it is. Right Might be colder than Buffalo. The Chargers go to Chicago to take on the Bears. Um, the Chargers are a mess. This is a definitely a yuck game. Yeah, this week. is a yuck game. I'll take the home team. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the home team only because it's the home team. Exactly. And Phillip Rivers this year is just finding ways to lose games. The Lions host the Giants. I will take the Lions at home. Yes. The Lions for me as well. Tennessee at home against Tampa Bay. Keep the run of home teams going for me. Yeah, Tennessee, I think Tannehill will be better um, this week. I'm going to go with uh, Tennessee. Indianapolis hosting Denver. I will take the Colts. Yeah, Colts are good. Denver, not. Not. In Denver's Denver, Chris Harris probably will be gone in the next few days anyway, and, making them and, even uh, worse. Um, and if the Kansas City Chiefs, who have – can't sack anybody this season, get nine sacks against yeah. you, you're not good. The uh, the Rams hosting the Bengals. I will take the Rams at home. Uh, R- Rams, yes. Uh, the Saints hosting the Cardinals. The Cardinals have played well the last couple weeks, but I think the streak comes to an end in the Superdome. I agree. I like New Orleans at home. The Jags hosting the Jets. As good as Sam Darnold looked against the Cowboys was as bad as he looked against the Patriots. I will take the home team. Yes, Halloween came early last week as Sam Darnold was seeing ghosts <laughs> against the Patriots. Uh, I like uh, I like Jacksonville. Um, they're a pretty solid team, and they do well at home. San Francisco at home against Carolina. Keep the home team streak going. Yeah, San Francisco's playing really well. They found their groove. Um, I like Carolina, what they've done. Um but I just can't go away. San Francisco at home is just, I think the home team's going to get the win here. I like the 49ers defense more than I like Carolina's offense. Patriots at home against the Browns. Next. Um, yeah, the Patriots, the Browns are, have turned into a mess as well. I've, this is one of those weird games that the Patriots might somehow lose if it was in Cleveland. Yeah, if it was in Cleveland, but it's can, in Foxborough. Yeah, it's not so I'm, I'm not going to go against them. But I, uh, because this defense. Uh, I, I don't know if they're historic or playing bad teams, but they're playing well. They're doing the and, and Cleveland's offense hasn't shown me that they're good. Yeah, Texans at home against the Raiders. I will take Houston. Yeah, the Raiders are playing playing hard, 
but they're not playing very good. And, and Houston's got to send a message this week after losing to the Colts the way they did last yep. week. And then finally, Sunday night, well, not finally, Sunday night football, Green Bay on the road to Kansas City. Uh, sorry, no Mahomes, I'm going with Rodgers. Yeah, it's a birthright that I picked the Chiefs. I don't so, understand uh, that. Um, Same way with me in Philadelphia. I, I get, get it. it. I get it. That's fine. Um, the fighting Matt Moores. We're going to take it <laughs> right. to Aaron Rodgers. We're going to see who the best quarterback is and when Matt Moore and Aaron Rodgers go toe-to-toe. Mason Rudolph gets a win on Monday night against Miami as quarterback for the Steelers. Yeah, Miami did actually look a little better last week, um, but they're, they're just really bad. They're going, I'm, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh still thinks they're good. They're so, going 16. Um, Miami's so going 0-16. Gosh, we were almost picked the same except like one game. Two. Yeah, the Kansas City game. That's right. Kansas that. City and Philadelphia. Two, uh, yeah, two. Well, interesting. There. We but, both. <laughs> but I will say the this. birthright picks yes. were the only difference. Yes. Here's the thing. Uh, and and you mentioned Darnold seeing ghosts, and I, there is something to be said for playing New England. Um, you have more than just Tom Brady. You've got the mystique. You've got Belichick. You've got the 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 twenty year record. When you're, I don't care who you are, Sam Darnold or Philip Rivers. There is an, there is more than just the football team when you play New England. You're taking on a legacy. You're taking on a dynasty. You're taking on the greatest quarterback to ever play in the history of the NFL, and that's not even up for debate anymore. I mean, ten years ago, I would still I would have still argued that Johnny Unitas was in the conversation. There is no conversation anymore. It's Tom Brady, and that's it. Period. No ifs, ands, or buts. So, when you play the Patriots, you have all those things with it, and it was real easy to see why Sam Darnold was seeing Thursday by the third quarter. That'll do it for the locker room. Have a great weekend.